0: may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. From Greg and Aldo, this is going to be a great show. We had over 100 people waiting before the show to get started. They want to celebrate the new year. They want to celebrate the Bears performance. They want your thoughts on the college championship games from yesterday. They want Greg Gabriel and Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing good. You still hung over or uh, didn't she go out or
0: what? <laughs> well, my wife was sick during uh Christmas yeah. holidays, so we finally well, I, had I everybody over yesterday. And so I had a couple of drinks with the kids and uh you know they didn't drink, I drank. I was I, yeah. I, I think I was the only one that drank. <laughs> anyway, we had a great I, time. I, I last hate night. to
1: admit this, but I was in bed at eight thirty on New Year's
0: Eve. Hey, I, I have I've been there before. <laughs> no,
1: I I like to go to bed early and I get up.
0: Earlier. Yeah. I wonder how many of the people uh, <laughs> in the chat room, the over 125 and still counting uh, who are in the chat room were in bed before 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Uh, so let us know. I'm going to tell you,
1: you know, the last time I saw New Year's midnight, uh-huh. I like killed way back. We played the Packers in 2006 in the last game of the year we were already in the playoffs we lost the game you know went to the Super Bowl and then uh, my wife and I went to Smith and Walensky's after sat with Chef Hans and we had a, a, a couple that was uh friends with my wife they were with us and we were there till shit one in the morning you know that's the last time so let's you know 17 years ago,
0: something like that. 16 years ago is the last time I stayed up till midnight. Wow. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, you know, we haven't gone to a party and celebrated New Year's like we used to when we were younger in many, many years. You know, we're old, old uh, married couple now. So that's just the way it's going to be. I've been
1: to a couple of parties, but I'm home before
0: (laughs) <laughs> before yeah, all the
1: 10:30 11 at the latest
0: uh huh <laughs> seems like um, many of the people in the chat room uh were in bed early as well Oh, Austin says he was knocked out by eleven thirty, uh, and many others. So let's get to the topics at hand. I want to start with the college football games last night. You told me that you watched the entire Michigan game. You yep. Fell asleep for a portion of the, the Texas Washington game, but you were up for that dramatic finish. Yeah. Let's Let's start with Michigan. Do you think that Michigan? Uh, has a chance against Washington, and review their overall performance last night.
1: Uh, I mean, I thought Alabama was going to hands down beat Michigan. I was wrong. Uh, they played a good game, and, and and the game was there for Alabama to take. They, they gave it away mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, but, you know, in fairness, the Alabama quarterback, the worst starting quarterback in P5 in the whole country. He's awful. And, you know, the fact, you know, there's Notre Dame fans that, that think Tommy Reese is an awful offensive coordinator. I look at it the opposite. The fact that he got that team into the playoffs with that quarterback is a testament to him because that guy's he's pathetic. He's so bad. Um, Then, you know, Michigan ran the ball. They, They played Michigan football. Yep, and they what what I didn't think they'd be able to do is match up physically against Alabama. Not only did they match up, they beat the hell out of them. You know, they they were they out physical for lack of a better term, Alabama <laughs> on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and and uh, you know it was a, it was a fun game to watch. It was when I you know then the that game's over. Turn on. Washington and, and Texas, it was like, now these are two football teams. The difference in speed between those two schools and, and Alabama and uh, Michigan was dramatic. I, I tweeted it out. I think it was 11 minutes into the game. I go, this is the national championship game right here. And it said, the talent on the field was so much better than the talent on the field. So in saying that I'm going with Washington. Washington has got the better quarterback. They got great ski, skilled people. Uh, problem Washington's going to have, and this will probably prove me wrong, is Washington is not real good at defending the run. Mm-hmm. And that's Michigan's strongest point. That's what they like to do is pound the ball. So it, I think it'll be an interesting matchup. But in the end, Washington, they're undefeated, but so is Michigan. But they find a way to win, yeah. And they've got they got some good. Now the one guy he he got defensive MVP in the game last night. Braylon Trice. I thought Braylon Trice was a lock, top fifteen, top eighteen going into the season, and he had a disappointing season.
0: I, you know, I yeah. thought the first half he did, but the second half he played better. But please go ahead.
1: Yeah, but he he, you know, he had five, he had ten sacks a year ago you only had five this year, you know, you think, okay, he, he's a probable first round pick. He's going to play even better. He might get, he had 10 last year, he might get 10, 12 this year. He had five and he just, you know, I saw Washington a lot. He just didn't look like the explosive player that I saw a year before than yesterday, different player now. So right now, I think he's a borderline one, probably more, like a two, but if he puts back-to-back games in college playoff uh, situation, that could move him back up into the first round. But he's got to have a big game against Michigan, too.
0: Um, A lot of people in the chat room are talking about uh, two or three of the players from Washington. Quarterback Michael Penix, Jr., Uh, he looked really good. Peter has a question. First of all, it says, Happy New Year. Looking forward to a highly informative and entertaining 2024. Quick question. With Penix looking great last night, does that mean more quarterback prospects increase or decrease the value of the number one pick? I think that's an interesting question because if now a lot of people have been saying three quarterbacks for sure in the first round, it could be four. It could be five. It could possibly it, 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 be it
1: six. Be, I don't think six, but I think it, it could be four or five. Okay. You know, and and – yeah you could but i got right now and i only went down like 15 picks like six teams that got a a quarterback need Mm
0: -hmm.
1: okay and but are they all going to take quarterbacks no i mean some could take a veteran, or you know try to sign a veteran or whatever and and cousins could i got minnesota is one of the teams that needs a quarterback right okay i know for a fact Cousins will not go back unless he gets a multi-year deal from him. And he's, what, 36 years old or whatever?
0: Yeah. But
1: there, there's circumstances behind that, which I don't want to get into. But, you know, he'd go somewhere else for a one-year deal. He will not go back to Minnesota unless he gets a minimum two.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. now. Uh, And we're going to get back to the topic of quarterbacks. Uh, Greg is going to offer another one of his master classes on the subject of whether to draft the quarterback or maintain Justin Fields. That's coming up, but we've got several other things to cover first. Another topic, another name that's come up uh, 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 over and over again in the chat is Rome Adunze, the wide receiver from Washington. To me, Greg, he sort of reminds me a little bit of DJ Moore. What do you think? He's a lot
1: bigger than DJ. Oh, is he bigger? Okay. Oh, Adunze is like 6'3, 218. I didn't realize. And can that. run. He's a big dude. Yeah. The guy who is similar to DJ, but I think faster is Malik Neighbors. Okay. You know, as far as height and weight, mm-hmm. uh real strong run after the catch guys. You know, I personally I think neighbors is a, a little bit ahead of of Harrison Mm -hmm. and and in fact I had a a text conversation with Rugler, and he you know he came out with his top five or top six yesterday and I said you know I sent him a a text I said I got neighbors slightly ahead he goes I can see it you know it it just I I think it remains to be seen what what they actually time at but I think neighbors plays faster Mm -hmm. he there's no question he's better after the catch, he's the best in college football. And he might, the day he comes into the NFL, he might be one of the best in the NFL as far as after the catch. And his routes are exquisite. He's really a good route runner. So that's why I have him a little better than Harrison. I'm not taking anything away from Harrison. Harrison Harrison's good. But I think when you t- take a look at the route running and especially the run after catch, because I, and, and we're, we're going to do that later. We're going to, do like highlights of both of them back to back, and and with the Doomsday, the Doomsday would be closer to Harrison, but I think even a Doomsday has better because he's a return guy too. When they want to use him, uh, I think he's better after the catch in Harrison. But I got uh, Rome as the number three receiver in this class.
0: Okay. All right, we'll be talking more about college prospects later. I want to get to the Bears versus the Falcons on Sunday. The Bears, perhaps they're the best performance of the season. Certainly, Justin Fields looked great, and the momentum now for him to uh, remain as the Chicago Bears' number one quarterback is starting to get steam. Evaluate that performance by Justin Fields against the Falcons on Sunday. How impressed were you with this? You know, okay. like you think, or there you a little bit. With? Were there things that you were unhappy with?
1: No, I don't think there's anything unhappy with. I think given the weather conditions, you know, it was a little sloppy and cold, even though the numbers were a lot better against Washington, and he started off, what, 14 for 14 or something like that in that game. Uh, I thought this was his best game. And against a pretty credible defense and and what they did and and a couple of people have pointed it out i'm surprised more haven't they did some things sunday that they haven't done all year and i've been waiting for it for two years you know a a staple of the green bay offense is those multi-layered crossing routes right we haven't seen them guess what we saw him on Sunday <laughs> and guess who hit him right on, on, on target, you know, with great timing. You know, it's like, why haven't you been doing this before? Mm-hmm. And and they got some really big plays out of that. So uh I thought he, he saw the field well, he made good decisions. uh He had some drops and, and I'm not going to, criticize some of those drops because they, they would have been very difficult catches. Right. And again, you're talking 30 degree weather. It's a little bit sloppy. You know, I, if it's October or September, they probably make those catches, mm-hmm. but it, but it's December. Uh, and, and on the one to uh, Scott, the defender made a good play too. You got to give him credit. So, uh, and, and Scott had to stretch out to make that. You know, if he had if he had been one step further downfield, it would have been right here. Um, but he wasn't. But uh, th- they were good throws. And so, you know, all in all, and, and you're really you're missing Mooney. And I know some people are down on Mooney. I'm not one of them. Uh, you're really missing Komet. Komet played more as a blocker if he ran five routes during the game, that was a lot. I think they were just more decoying him when they did it. And, and they used uh, the other guy and, and he had some production. So uh, it's Tanyan, who I'm referring to. Right. And, and Tanyan finally did what we thought he could do. And I'm not so sure he can't do that all the time. It's that they just don't set up the offense for that guy to get targets.
0: Mm-hmm. It was amazing. As Mr. Shorty says that Luke Getze really called his best game of the season. He even used the I formation a half dozen times with blasting game in the game as a fullback at, and Khalil Herbert had his best rushing day. I think of his career, definitely of the 2023 season. Now he has back to back 100 yard rushing games. It, if you know Danny Shimon on Bear Football has been saying um before 55 has been saying this all season the Bears are a running team. Yeah. So if you don't have an eye formation, uh, at least a half dozen eye formation plays in your in your playbook that you're calling from game to game, you're it's ridiculous. Luke Getzi, is he finally getting it? And is he making a last ditch effort to save his job? Because perhaps Justin Fields is coming back too, and Matt Eberflus, as many reports have it
1: uh i i think oh, i got a theory on that i think uh, rapaport jumped the gun on that Ooh, you know like and then had a backtrack because it said hey wait a minute <laughs> what are you doing
0: man
1: uh-huh. and um so and, and the only reason i say that is you know you try to read between the lines sure and you look at blues The Mm -hmm. last couple of weeks, much more relaxed. Mm -hmm. He's been way better in the presser. I'm going to say yesterday's presser might have been Mm -hmm. his best as as head coach of the Bears and and looked more like a head coach and, you know, was more assertive in in front of the media. So to me, that says he already knows. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Could we have brought, absolutely. You know, we we could have been thrown a a curveball, but I just—I can't imagine that Rappaport would come out with something like that and not already been told. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, um so what do you think about Luke Getze? Is, is I, I, made- I
1: can't, I can't see that happening coming back.
0: Really, no chance yeah. at all, huh?
1: No, I, I don't think so. It's. um it just—he doesn't have a feel for calling a game. Yes, he did a, a a good job yesterday. He'd have to follow that up with a real good job against Green Bay, and maybe they could say, "Well, he's getting it." But I just—I don't see it. We—he went to the like I—I I tweeted out, I should say, posted because it's not called Twitter anymore. I said after. after the Falcons got that screen pass for seventy-five yards for a touchdown. I yeah. to go up. Guess he's going to think he has to call a screen now. And the first play, he calls a screen
0: <laughs> I and saw it that. Gets hit for a loss. So, <laughs> and then you tweet out what I tell you. <laughs> I saw that. that was good. <laughs> I mean,
1: if I know it, and I'm sitting in my family room. Yeah. Don't you think the Falcons know it?
0: Yeah. Swifty says, what about if the Bears uh, drop 37 on the Packers? And then he goes on to uh, state, I just think they lean towards continuity rather than learning a new offensive scheme. That's okay, the now, conundrum. That,
1: that, okay. That, that's an interesting question. You can use the same scheme and hire a different coordinator. Mm-hmm. You hire somebody that knows the scheme. The Shanahan and scheme. And can run the scheme. You know, so it's it, – it it's – a new coordinator doesn't necessarily equal
0: new scheme. Interesting. Now, what about the lame duck issue? You know, you keep Eberflus. What quality offensive coordinator is going to want to come to Chicago and say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bank on it"? I, we've talked about this before. Go ahead. <laughs> I, no, <use> I, my... <laughs> I,
1: I think that's a fallacy in the NFL. I really yeah. do because there's just so many coordinator jobs available.
0: Yeah,
1: and If there's one available, guys who want one are going to try to get one. I mean, it's an added thing, especially if it's a promotion for them. You know, it it, uh, helps their resume. It's obviously a lot more money. You're not going to turn it down. And the team has gotten better. So, and and coaches as a whole – they got big egos. You know, like players got big egos.
0: Right. I can turn this thing around. Right. Indeed. Uh Tired Player uh, brings up a name that's been brought up a lot lately by Bears fans. Frank Wright, he's an experienced uh guy in this offense. Would you like to see him take over the OC duties? Yeah,
1: you know, it it it's
0: a possibility. Uh wait a minute, I gotta
1: my little guy wants out real quick. I'll be right back. Take your time.
0: That is, of course, the co star of the show, Bennett, the 685 uh, no, <laughs> pound dog. He's uh, not 685 pounds. He's probably around 60, I'm going to guess 60 pounds. So let's ask uh, Greg and see what if I got within five pounds. Does your dog weigh about 60 pounds? No, 100. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I
1: 100. Never 100. Dad, but he was at the vet a couple weeks ago. He's 101.
0: See, when people ask me my weight, I always underestimate by about forty pounds. (laughs) All right, so we were talking about God. What were we talking about? Frank Reich. Frank Reich. Yeah, Yeah. tell me about it.
1: I mean, there's Frank is a very good offensive coach. Uh, You know, this year, I I think the problem this year was the owner. The owner's too damn impatient. They don't have a football team. You got a rookie quarterback and nothing around a poor offensive line. They traded us the best offensive weapon they had, you know, and, and they expect them to win. It's not going to happen. And, and you got to keep things dialed back with a rookie quarterback. So Frank uses, you know, a combination of, of systems. Some of it going back to, his Buffalo Bills days when, uh, you know, under Marv Levy, uh, but it was March of Broda's offense. It was, you know, the old K-Gun offense with Jim Kelly, you know, mm-hmm. it was very fast. Some of it's that, and some of it is uh, some West Coast. It's, uh, you know, he's got a variety of stuff. The The question I would have is that, because I'm going to assume Justin's going to be here and, we'll get into that is that can he do his best work with a quarterback like Justin? Okay. Okay. Has he really had a guy like Justin? I'd have to really go back and look,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm.
1: and, and and see, Uh, but he's a damn good coach Uh, players like him, And there's obviously a, a a strong relationship between him and flooce. Uh, but I got to, you know. First of all, getsy has got to be let go before we can start talking names. And I've got, and I've got a list, and Frank's on there, and there, there's some other names too. But you know, let's cross one bridge at a time, and let's get through next week. See what happens next. In fact, I would think we should probably do this show Tuesday next week. See what happened Monday. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: Okay. And if anything breaks on Monday, maybe we can jump on Monday afternoon. And- Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, um, but it, it's, uh, it, it's going to be a fascinating week, but I, I do think Floos is bad. <laughs> One of the things too, like, and the Bears put out the video, um, you, you watch fluce in the locker room after the game and you see the attentiveness of the players.
0: Yeah. You see
1: the attentiveness of of Ryan Poles, and there's always been a question. You know, oh, was he going to lose the team? He has never lost his football team. His football team plays hard, and then you hear the players. Players all like him. Players all respect them and they play hard for him. So, why are you going to make a change? Especially mm-hmm. they, they've won. Four out of five, five out of seven, and five, the last five home games. So the arrow's going (laughs) up. So to me, it's like, no, you're not going to change it. And and the only coach I can think of, the Bears have fired after two seasons, is Treston, and he did lose the locker room. Yes, He lost the whole building. Yeah. (laughs) Just the locker room. But the players just – I mean, he didn't have the players from the get go, but he really lost them. Right. You know, at, at about the midpoint of that second season.
0: Unbelievable what happened there. Um, I, I totally understand the, you know, tabling offensive coordinator talk until a decision has been made. That's out of respect, of course, for people involved. But you did mention a name last week, and my good friend C Sharp from the Nomad Network says, Who was the guy that Greg recommended? Uh, for OC, kind of an obscure name. He wanted to check him out. Do you recall last week's show well, that like you- we talked about? It. And then the
1: the one name I brought up that knows the scheme, right, is Liam Cohen.
0: Liam Cohen, that's him. Okay, yeah. Liam
1: Cohen. I'll give you a little history. Okay, is he the last few years he's bounced back and forth between University of Kentucky and the Rams. Mm-hmm. Who's at the Rams for a while. Um, finished there as their quarterback coach, went to Kentucky in 21 as their O.C. And he had the quarterback there. He had his best year, by far his best year. But after that year, McVeigh brings him back to the Rams as the O.C., but when you're the O.C., you don't get to call plays because McVeigh does. So he only stays with the Rams one year. That's the 22 season. And then he comes back to Kentucky this year. And and the main reason being is he wanted to call the plays. But he has a a great understanding. No, he's not called plays at the NFL level, but he's called it at at the college level. But, you know, you can look at – I don't think it's the experience – it's the knowledge that you have of how to use the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy in Miami, he, he was never a play caller till he went to Miami. Mm-hmm. Shanahan calls the place. And Mike McDaniel was the <laughs> OC and, and in situations like that, your OC, meaning you run practices during the week, you run the meetings, et cetera. But the right. real OC is is the head coach, like Shanahan, right. and and McVay. So, O'Connor at, at Minnesota is a pretty good player, or a pretty good play caller. Mm-hmm. He's just, from what I understand, married to the system almost too much. Like, doesn't when you got different players in there, doesn't know how to deviate the way he he probably should, but. He never called plays until he got to Minnesota. So oh. it, it's, I think it's, yeah. Is there about Yeah, I think. But don't forget that Getsy was not, wasn't an OC at the NFL level. Even right. a OC, and he was a quarterback coach. So yeah. he took two jumps yeah. or one real big jump, not two jumps. And where these other guys. They had OC experience, just not the play-calling experience. So I think there's a, there's a big difference
0: between that. Indeed, indeed. All right, there is just one other OC uh, question, and then we'll table the rest for uh, next week. J2K uh, uh, says, Kalen DeBoer is losing Penix and his top wide receivers in the NFL. It's a good time for him to be an OC in the NFL. What do you know about him? Do you see him as a candidate for the Bears OC job, if it were to be open, or let's just put it generically, any OC job, but specifically the Bears?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I. Why would he leave a head coach job, where he's making a shitload of money to be an OC in the pros? You know, he's going to go to the pros to be a head coach. Yeah
0: but do you think that you know maybe he sees tea leaves and says wow I you know I'm losing my offensive firepower maybe you know I want to transition to becoming an NFL coach and while it's arguably a lateral job uh you know and definitely not lateral from in terms of money he'd be losing money do you think he he might be interested in at least talking about
1: well he he's really losing one all those receivers are underclassmen. Oh, okay. Oh, Dunze is going to be the only I I know Dunze is going to come out. The other guys, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. And he's got a couple transfers already going there. Oh, okay. He's yeah. got a kid from Cal uh, that declared or entered the portal just like a week, week and a half ago, and he's already uh, committed to Washington and a pretty good player. He was Cal's leading receiver. Um, I don't know who he has for quarterback set up. I haven't looked at it uh, that carefully, but I, he's a highly thought of coach. He likes being a head coach. He's obviously, ha- he's, he's got his team in the national championship. I think he's taken a step down to take an OC job in the NFL myself, so I can't see him doing it.
0: Fair enough. All right. I've got uh, about nine questions or comments that I want you to comment on. I got Brian, I got Free Palestine, Les, Mark, Ryan, Swift Sports Network. Uh, No, I think we already addressed that one, Swift. Uh, Nano, CBD, and Bear Truth 9 just posted one. But before we get to those... I want to segue to Greg's masterclass here on the topic of whether. Masterclass. To me, they're masterclasses. We should be charging money for these. (laughs) Um, Whether you draft a quarterback or you maintain Justin Fields, that's the hot topic. And and the national media has said this is going to be the hot topic for the next several months. You know, Um, Super Bowl first.
1: You know, it's crazy. There was some guy out of Denver that, that was like, criticizing the Bears and what they got to do. And I go, and I posted, I go, that's like me saying something about Denver or the, or the Raiders. I don't know their situation. And this right. guy doesn't know the situation. Yep. So just shut the fuck up. And, Thank and, you. you know, <laughs> t- t- take care of your own business and don't worry about what this team's got to do. Or- I mean, you know, he's a clown.
0: So. I think I know who you're talking about, but we'll, we'll, we'll bypass. But anyway. <laughs> The,
1: I personally feel that Fields is going to be here next year. Now people say, "Well, then you got to commit all this money to him." No, you don't. You do. You're you're not forced into picking up his fifth year option. Exactly. Exactly. You you could let him go play it out, and then now basically it becomes a bet, and and Fields would be betting on himself, and. More often than not, when you bet on yourself, you win, but it could go the other way. Now, okay, why would you do that? And, and then what do you do in the future? Fields bombs. Well, there is a possibility that the Bears could draft a quarterback. First of all, I, I you know, I'm still a, a Tyson Bajan fan, and he's gonna be, you know, have a full year development next year, but also they could draft a guy. I just don't see him using their very first pick to draft a quarterback. They could take a guy in the second round. Somebody said, "Well, they don't have a second round pick." No, they don't have a second round pick today, but they will have a second round pick. I agree. By the time they get to the draft, that's <laughs> going to be all part of the uh uh a trade down. So it's I don't I, I don't think they're forced into taking you know a quarterback with that top pick, but here's here's the thing that I mean. Number one, Justin keeps improving. Number two, and I've been saying this for weeks, I don't think he's been coached right since the day he came into the league. You give him a, a good offensive coach, and who can really work with him, you're going to see a hell of a quarterback because we see too many plays, too many wild plays. And he's got a skill set that no other quarterback in football has. I mean, he 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 didn't do it once; he did it twice. You know, broke out of sure sacks and, and turned them into positive gains, and he does it every week. And and so it's there's parts of his game that need improvement, and I think with with, with the right coach, that's going to happen. Now you got the other side of the equation. He is revered in that locker room. There's not a player in that locker room that's not going to have his back and stand up for him. So if you take him away, what happens to the locker room? You know, when the locker room might get lost, then. And can you take that chance?
0: i'm so glad you brought that up uh greg because that's something that i wanted to get your thoughts on and a quick programming note uh tonight eight o'clock we're scheduled to have uh, the beat reporter for clocker sports he has credentials and so he gets into the locker room and one of the things i want to get from him is what is that locker room atmosphere now because to me over the last few weeks it's been on fire you hear the quotes from uh and hear the interviews of, of the players in the locker room they're excited about what's being oh, built yeah. here and yeah. justin is the center of that yes, so so to trade him away and bring in a Caleb or whoever as the next starting quarterback would be detrimental to a, a building process. You're, you're building something and you're reaching the pinnacle and now all of a sudden you're going to take out the foundation piece? It could all come tumbling down. Hey,
1: You, you had your best offensive player challenge the front office in D.J. Moore. <laughs> yes. Okay? Publicly. He's the guy. That's the guy I want to play for. He should be the quarterback. I know it's up to you guys, but I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. And that's the general feeling throughout the locker room. See, What people seem to forget is, yeah, quarterback is about the physical play, but it's also a lot about the intangibles. And feels is loaded with the intangibles and so he's got to he's got to improve his game he will improve his game is he ever going to be a pro bowler probably not we got to a Super Bowl with with Rex Grossman who was the 22nd pick in the draft when I was with the uh Giants we lost the Super Bowl right before I came here so in in uh, January of 2001, we lost to to Baltimore with Trent Dilfer as the quarterback. You know, so you don't have to have a super superstar being your quarterback to get to the Super Bowl. You have to have a very strong all around football team. Where'd you go, Aldo? Turn on your mic.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you are not the director of the show. <laughs> um, Larry T. has an a interesting comment here that I want you to refer to. You know, disrupting the locker room is a huge topic. And he brings up the Cedric Benson versus Thomas Jones locker room. You had, of course, firsthand knowledge of this. Can you tell us what kind of a disruptive force that was?
1: Well, said was a lovey pick lovey really lobbied for that part of it may have just been the the texas connection mm-hmm. um but we had a play. we had a pro bowl running back in thomas jones and the players really loved thomas and and the one thing about thomas jones is that he'd be a good guy to have on the show too Is but the one thing about Thomas is that he was a pro's pro. Mm-hmm. Worked his ass off. Didn't say a lot. Worked his ass off. He'd be in the weight room in training camp. Practice got over. Let's say practice got over 1115. 1117, he's in the weight room. Huh. And you know, just a, the consummate worker. And he wouldn't do a lot after practice, but he... He always kept himself in rare physical condition and had a great work ethic. Loved to play. Now, he struggled the first couple years of his career. He got drafted by Arizona. uh, Then he went to to Tampa, and then then we got him. But he, when the players resented the veterans, kind of resented us drafting said, and they showed it in training camp. They beat the hell out of said, and said, didn't like it. I mean, there wasn't a good, and, and I, I should fast forward. It was training camp the second year because he wasn't part of training camp his rookie year. He held out, but you know, he wasn't, if they had something to say about it, he wasn't going to be the man. Thomas Jones was going to be the man. And they showed
0: it. C-Sharp says that Jason McKee claims there was never any friction in the running back room.
1: Well, there might not have been friction. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the O-line and and things like that. Yeah. And and how, you know, you're you're running nine-on-seven or even... Uh, eleven on eleven, and the offensive line guys miss blocks, and get
0: killed, <laughs> <laughs> and the defensive line
1: buries them into the. You know,
0: there's absolutely, absolutely. So it, here's the here's the one of the big things regarding the drafting of a quarterback and the Justin. The big argument from many who want to see or think that the Bears will draft a quarterback is the salary cap reset you're basically now fields is scheduled to make about six or seven million dollars uh next season and the first year quarterback if if drafted coming to the bears would if he's the number one overall pick will be about six or seven million dollars in his first year and then that's where things get haywire, because Fields, if they pick up the fifth-year option, will be $22 million, and then he's going to be looking for a long-term contract that could be easily north of $30 million, and some people even say $40 million. So isn't that a compelling reason to look at drafting a quarterback?
1: Well, I did say it wouldn't surprise me if they draft a young quarterback. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. now, and I also said, it wouldn't shock me that they don't pick up his fifth year option and, and really put the onus on, on Justin to have a big year. And if he has a big year, then he deserves the big contract. I think they're they're prepared for that. It's to me that oh well, you you get to to get a rookie quarterback again on, on a rookie contract that allows you to do other things. I think that's a loser mentality. Yes. Because it's – is it fair to the rest of the team? You are saying that you are prepared to lose for the next two years if you draft a, a, a quarter – if you use that first pick on a quarterback.
0: hmm
1: Okay. Because you're, you're, how many rookie quarterbacks win? Okay. Stroud has won this year. Uh, they're going to barely get into the playoffs, if get into the playoffs at all that happens once in every 15 years Mm -hmm. just go back and look what these guys done okay and the hit rate of quarterbacks being drafted real high like that is awful so i mean look what san francisco does the last guy picked is you know might be in the super bowl right this year okay so You know, and what people don't know, people are, are going on this. Let's say with Caleb. Going into the season, everybody said, oh, my God, he's the next Patrick Bones. I was one of them, okay? And then you watch this season, and he started off real good. Mm-hmm. Then comes Notre Dame game. He's not bad. He's horrendous. He never recovered from it, and he never – Played anywhere close to what he had or what he had done in 2022 and the first part of 2023. There's that thing where he's sitting at mommy's lap crying like a baby for 15 minutes after the game. You know, that's bothersome. And what the fans don't know, I know the teams know is the background, the intangibles. And that's what separates a, you know, a guy from having success in the NFL and not having success. It's not just about the physical traits, especially at that position, more so at that position than any other position in football. So, and, and, and you can look at the failures in, in the year Justin was field Drafted. You you had the number two and the number three guy have been bust already in Wilson Trey Lance. And the number one guy, Lawrence, he's been good. Is he been over the top great? No. Nope. Is he a difference maker? No. Nope. You know, so you, you go back to the Josh Allen here. Josh was the third quarterback taken. He's the best quarterback hands down in that draft.
0: Right. Do you Mahomes, think
1: Mahomes was the second or third quarterback and he went 10th
0: in that draft? Do you think that the uh Holiday Bowl game uh gives you any clue about the Caleb Williams situation? He, he chose not to play.
1: Right. And, well, that, means he's, that means he's definitely coming out.
0: So. Right. And Moss, the backup quarterback, throws for six touchdown passes. The cameras catch one of the wide receivers after scoring the touchdown, saying over and over again, now we're a football team. And a lot of people could read that into thinking, well, now we've got a guy at quarterback who isn't selfish. Uh, do you think that the, that's this holiday bowl game might have given some evaluators uh, uh, an inkling as to these this puzzle that is Caleb Williams
1: um I'll just say that because I I know more than I can say okay at, at this point and you know that. So good evaluators are going and good decision makers are going to have all the answers. But you make mistakes at that position when you don't do the work to find out all the answers. Or you fall in love with the person or fall in love with the physical traits and don't do enough work on the rest. Mm-hmm. And that's when you when you make a mistake. I think that was the mistake that that Pace made with Mitch Trubisky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he, he threw, he, he didn't do enough on the other guys. And he fell in love with Mitch, the person, and what he thought Mitch could be. So looking at some of those physical traits and not
0: the intangibles. Great stuff. All right, let's get to some of these questions here. Uh, let's start at the top here. Uh Brian wanted to know this. He issued this even before the show started. I want to know uh, what kind of sa- situation salary cap wise we're in this offseason. Example, last year we had to spend an amount to reach the floor. Are we in a similar situation?
1: I don't know what the exact figure is right now. I'm really, none of us are going to know the exact figure. The league usually in December, at, at the December league meetings, gives the team, their estimated cap number for the following year. They withheld that this year. That tells me because it's going to be higher than they thought. Wow. And they want to be sure. So it's really supposed to be sometime this month or maybe even the beginning of next month Mm. before the team's actually got an exact figure. Mm-hmm. You know, or say within a half a million dollars, but that that's close enough. Then it's who are they going to extend on this current team? Do they make a deal with Jalen Johnson? Do they make a deal with anybody else to extend them going forward? Because that's obviously going to have an effect on the amount of money available for free agency. So to answer the question, we're not going to really know for a couple months, really. I think it is it, reality. It depends. you know, I, I, with Jalen, they've always got the tag to use, right? And I don't think you know from a, it, it'll because of bonuses, the difference is going to be a few million dollars. But I don't think it's going to be drastic that you would be hurt using the tag but they're protecting themselves by using the tag.
0: You know, you bring up Jalen. This thought creeped into my mind. The Bears had four interceptions on Sunday against the Falcons. I think all four of them were after Johnson was injured. If not all four, then at least three out of the four. So does that tell you that we have a young defensive back group that is benefiting from the increased pass rush? And if you need, if you're, if you're thinking, hey, you know, I want Justin Fields here long term. And so I, got, I need to make sure I don't have a cornerback on the team that is making $25 million and making a dent into the salary cap. And so my question is, is, is Jalen Johnson expendable? Given the Bears' pass rush and it's how it's helping the defensive backs.
1: Yeah, it, it's a great question. And I've batted it around, and I think that's why you try to get a deal done at at the the number you want to get the, the deal done at. And you're going to be, you know, you're going to have some flexibility there. I, and I think that number has gone up on both sides since the beginning of the season because of the year he's had. Now you can't take away from the talent. He is a legitimate number one corner for any team in football, you know, and and one of the better corners in the league and what he does or what he has is he has a great all around game. Some guys that are really good cover guys and they don't play the run worth a damn. He -hmm. plays the run. That's how he got hurt. Yeah. Making a tackle. I think he got a little stinger. Right. Um, And it was a hell of a tackle, too, and a hell of a play. makes it right at the line of scrimmage or maybe a half-yard gain or something like that. But he'll come up in force, and he can play a very physical game. Another guy that's really liked in the locker room. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they drafted two corners, and they like both of them. Mm -hmm. So I I think it gives them some leverage that – if the price gets too high, then you know, we can walk away and feel good with what we have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that's what they want to do, but I think it, it's and that's not what fans want to hear. I'm just saying that, that that it's a possibility based on, you know, they're going to have a number. And just watching how Ryan polls those work, he didn't budge enough that number. I mean, yeah, there's some give and take, but like, like he had a he had a number for Roquan, and he wasn't going above that number. They wanted to sign Mike McGlinchey in free agency. They had a number, but the number when you look at the number, he you know because he flat out told me the average per year I was good with. I wasn't good with the bonus because it's the bonus that a player doesn't pan out that can really smack you in the face and have severe cap, cap implications down the road so it's <coughs> excuse me you know how that contract is structured it's not only the number but the structure of the contract and you want to have that contract set up in such a way that you're not going to get killed down the road if the player starts going downhill or mm-hmm. You know, God forbid he gets hurt. You know, and has maybe a career-ending injury, or just can't come back from it. But it's interesting. Do I think he'd be back? Yes. You can say I think. Worst case scenario is, is they tag him this year, and that he will be a bear
0: next year. Excellent stuff. Les wants to know: Does Greg think he would benefit if the team brought in a retired quarterback to go through the tapes? of this year and get a quarterback's view on play calling to maximize the talent he has. In other words, we've talked about this. The bears have a senior defensive analyst. Why not bring a senior offensive analyst to help Luke gutsy? Well, the, the
1: defensive analyst is doing advanced stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? So he's like, this will work, this will work, this is what they're doing. So he's he's giving a more in-depth report on the upcoming team than the pro scouting department is doing. Uh, And and the pro scouting department's not set up to do that. They're more about telling you what individuals can do, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, not tendencies and stuff. So if you're going to hire a... Say, if, let's just say, we'll throw a name out there, Chase Daniel. Okay, who's you know a pretty astute guy? Yes, he is. And and played quarterback for a long time in the league. Why you got the? If you're going to do that, why you got the guy who's the offensive coordinator <laughs> being the offensive coordinator?
0: That's what Mitchell Knight just said.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and I think when you look at the defensive side of the ball. Don't forget, Luce is also the head coach. Yes. So he's got two roles. Now, what I what I would think could happen, and again, reading between the lines, he likes being a play caller. Yes, he does. Okay. So, and, and he does a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So I can see him keeping that. I can also see him, you know, we see it on offense all the time. You got a coordinator, but he's not the play caller. So could that be either bring in a guy or elevate a guy,
0: right?
1: Yeah. Like a John hope. Uh, and, and John has been a coordinator at the NFL level and at the collegiate level, you know, so, and had success. So you could do that and still be the play caller on Sunday and have the, the time to be head coach, to do your head coach responsibilities.
0: Yeah. You know, you bring up John Hoke, and Brad Biggs did a nice job of saluting Hoke's work this year with quotes from defensive back uh, players who say, what makes Hoke so good is that he holds us all accountable. He's tough. But we trust what he's teaching us, and uh, and we're seeing the results. And so, John Hoke, uh, if anybody from this coaching staff is back next year, I I put him at the top of the list.
1: Well, I mean, I, I John Hoke's a friend, mm-hmm. and I worked with John for a few years here when he was on Lovey's staff. He's a great guy. My personal feeling is there's been two coaches, defensive back coaches, that Lovey had, and they are far and away the two best defensive back coaches I've been around my whole career. And that is Hoke and Steve Wilkes. Oh, okay. And, and they're both great teachers. They hold their players accountable. They know how to coach, but I, you know, I, I really spend most of my time, you know, watching the old line and the D line in practice. But, you know, when we hired hope first, I had to work with them and, and, you know, going into that draft on evaluations. And he, we'd sit in my office for hours watching tape. And he's a very, very, very good evaluator. Mm-hmm. He taught me a lot of things that I didn't know, uh, just little things to look for, but he knows the defensive back position very well. And, you know, like one time I, I said to him, I said, uh, Hey, John, you know, can this guy be a safety? And he goes, Hold it right there, you know. And and he really gave me an education because a lot of people all move to safety. It's the fact is one of the most difficult things to do in football move a corner to safety. He said, "It's they see the field entirely differently. A corner is playing on one side of the, not even a side of the field. He's basically playing a quarter of the field. Yeah, and he's not, and he's he's not even seeing what's going on on the other side of the field." where a safety's in the middle of the field and his reads are entirely different. So the the mental part of the game has to be a lot different for safety. Safety's better be damn smart. And and, and really one of the most important traits that he has to have is an intangible. It's instincts. Safeties have to be very, very instinctive players. Where you can get a corner... Who is a great zone player or a great press cover guy but might not doesn't have anywhere near the natural instincts that a safety has and he can still be a great corner
0: great stuff great stuff okay let's see what mark has for us uh Do you think the Bears could get a future first round pick from both Washington and New England? This is something that in last year's draft, a lot of people were hoping to see is multiple trade backs, you know, so that you could get even more picks. That's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I see people posting their mock drafts and they've got the Bears doing five trades in their first round. So they walk away with 37 draft picks and then they ask, what do you think about my my mock draft? I'm like, unrealistic, totally unrealistic. What do you think about multiple tradebacks?
1: Well, you go back to last year, and that's exactly what Ryan wanted to do. And he, he came right out and said it you know, later on. He said, if I could, I would have done it twice. What he wanted to do was go to four with the Colts and then go back further from there. But... The Colts, you know, Ballard said, I think I can get a quarterback at four. So why should I trade? And so that part of it fell through. And then Carolina came up with the big deal. Now everybody want, is going to try to compare the Carolina deal with what can happen this year. And it's really not fair because what you get back Depends on how far you're going back and last year they went back nine spots, which is a big drop. So, you know, if you're going back to two or three, you're not getting close to the haul you got last year. I can see him want to go back. A couple times Mm -hmm. and but hey everything's got to fall in the right place for that to happen. And what I could see happening is he could trade back early if he's going to go back to say seven, eight or nine, like he did last year, he probably try to do that before free agency. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he doesn't think he can do that, then he's going to wait. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm throwing a dart at the wall. I admit that, but, and and then you find out, okay, if I go back to two or go back to three or whatever, because uh, you you know you look at the at the at the teams that need quarterbacks, New England, and right now they're picking two. Who knows what you know what's going to happen next week? Then you got Arizona, then you got Atlanta. I got a question mark with Vegas because who's going to be the coach? Who's going to be the GM? And do they think O'Connell is is the guy, or do we got to get a first round guy? You know, so I got a question mark with them. Minnesota, when we talked a little bit about there. They, they regardless of if Cousins comes or not, comes back or not, they have to get a quarterback because they don't have one. There's not one in the building right now. And Cousins isn't going back for a one-year deal. They got to give them a multi-year deal. And even if they give them a multi-year deal, they still got to get a rookie. So, but... I think if they got cousins on, say, a two year deal, they may wait to see what falls to them. Or could put a hypothetical, and I hate hypotheticals, is, you know, let's say the the bears dro- drop down to three. OK, Okay. it's not as expensive for Minnesota to go up to three as it would be to one. It could do, do that. And then you mm-hmm. say, well with the Bears trade within their division. And, yeah, I can say immediately, say, no, you don't want to do that. And I say, if the package is right, you do it. Because it's about making your team better. Mm-hmm. And you might, you know, you, your evaluation might not be as what the Vikings evaluation is of the quarterbacks at that
0: point. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Ryan... Ask, do you think that three wide receivers go in the top yes. 10? Top 10? Yes. Wow. Very, very well.
1: I think there'd be trades to do it. Well, okay. no, let me put it this way there's three top 10 receivers. Okay. Does that mean they're going to go in the top 10? No, I think it's only happened once before. Okay. And I have to go back. I know at least two have gone. I mean, the, the year, uh, chase one, i think they went at five and six or something but th- there had been two going in the top ten I, it, and there have been three but it that was back a little bit and i'd have to check to be a hundred percent sure but yeah I, I i think there's three worthy and there's a minimum of five first round worthy and mm-hmm. two from lsu interesting
0: uh, I've got uh, a dozen more questions. St. Scott just popped this one up. If they trade down slightly, can they get a guarantee from the team that don't take our guy and we'll make this trade? Is that something? Never that- going to
1: happen. You never, <laughs> you never tell a team who you're trading for. Okay. So- you, you know, it just it, 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 you got to assume you look at the needs. Mm-hmm. They're coming mm-hmm. here to get a quarterback. Yeah, I don't care which quarterback they get. Yeah. So how is it our guy?
0: Yeah, and that was perhaps the biggest failure of the Ryan Pace administration, is they didn't read the tea leaves about what the 49ers were going to do with the second overall pick and they traded right. from three to two. Right.
1: Um you know what he was afraid of, he was afraid somebody else was gonna go to two. Yeah, so he actually made that deal like four or five days before the draft. Jeez, and so he, and then he was, you know, kind of stuck to it. He probably could have pulled out, and San Francisco probably could have cared less. Uh, you know, they they would have wanted that pick, but it wasn't going to matter because they weren't they were going to take a quarterback anyway. Right? They were, they took the guy they wanted, Solomon Thomas. In fact, San Francisco said. Oh, well, they're coming up to get – they didn't even think the Bears were going to take Travis. They thought the Bears were going to take Solomon Thomas, which was their guy.
0: Yes, I've heard that. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, Free Palestine wants to know, what do you think about Valis Jones being switched to running back next season as his primary uh, spot?
1: I, I don't think because I've never really seen him play the position. That's a coaching thing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you put him there in the offseason and see uh, – he you know he's about 210 pounds could he do it yeah um how effective could he be and part of it is blocking mm-hmm. because if you can't pass protect you're not going to see the game or be you know see play time in the game so is it a possibility yeah will it i don't know
0: yeah Nano CBD says, you know, it is urgent that we get a center. How urgent would you say that it is, Greg? Is it urgent enough to invest a second-round pick on a center?
1: Well, right now they don't have a second, and it's interesting because I <laughs> you had know a, we're
0: going to get one. You know we're going to get yeah. one. <laughs>
1: uh, it. I had a conversation, a text conversation with Olin just this morning on this very thing because my belief and I, now i've been spoiled okay i you know worked at the giants for 17 years we had two great centers in Bart Oates and then brian williams then i come here and we got olin cruz well i've been spoiled okay <laughs> but in my it's my opinion that's the most everybody's left tackle. Yeah, I mean, from a standpoint of pass protection, yeah, left tackle is the most important position, but you better have a goddamn good center. And he's got to be smart because he's got he's the glue. He runs the line. All right. And so my thought process is especially when you look at a team like the Bears that has a very young offensive line. Okay, you got your two tackles are in their first and second year. Tevin's in his third year. Um, Nate Davis is in his first year here. Do you have a guy in those four capable of running the show on the offensive line? And preferably you want it to be one of the guards, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not a tackle. And so, right now, and I don't care about the physical ability of of, of Tevin. Is he, is he capable of being that that leader? Personally, I don't see it. Um, I'm not around them to know that, but I, I just just the feeling I have. I think that you're better off getting a center in free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, and spending some money on them, and and then you know what you got, and it, you know he helps your line. Now, Baltimore took the kid from Iowa a couple of years ago, but Baltimore had a, a strong veteran line at the time, so you can get away with doing it. Okay, so my my question to, let me get it out because I'll give you the answer.
0: again. me, okay. Uh, meanwhile, in the uh, chat question queues, I've got Brent Winston, MJB, New England Bears fan, checking out uh, Gypsy Mike, Brandon, and King Buka World on hold. Go ahead, Greg.
1: Okay, I, my question was this. I texted Noah I said, quick question. Do you feel a rookie center can handle position, making calls, etc., with a young line like the Bears have? Or would a, that be better? I said, my opinion is with a, a veteran – set of guards a team can get away with using a rookie, but a team like the Bears need to vet. Thanks. He sits back, good question, with a lot of answers. Short answer is yes, a rookie center can handle the calls. depends on if the quarterback is capable of making calls and seeing things. If the quarterback is clueless, the center becomes more valuable and then a veteran would have to
0: be there. And I'm sorry, who was that from again? Oh. Okay, Olin oh, said that. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> he knows a lot about that. Yeah, so it seems like a lot of people in the chat room are divided between drafting a center and acquiring one in free agency or maybe even a trade.
1: Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. It, it, it's because I think the center, and, and it's not from the – physical. there's a lot of guys out there that can come in and play physically. Yes. Can they mentally handle the position? That's a and. Keep- So then, you know, go back to to last year when they took Wright and they went out and had a a long private workout with him. I think you got to do the same thing. And and not necessarily the workout, but just get into his head and see if he's capable of handling what the center's got to handle from a mental point of view. And if if they think so, then yeah, by all means, draft them. But if you've got a question mark, sign one in free agency. But we're going to have the answer before the draft. We even get to the draft because if they sign one in free agency, that gives you the answer right there.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, checking out Gypsy Mike wants to know, Greg, how important is it for a rookie quarterback to have the preseason? Starting reps, if he's going to be a starter in the NFL. In other words, so if the Bears decide to move on from Justin Fields and they bring in Caleb or Drake or whoever, do you want to see that quarterback at the majority of the three preseason game uh, reps?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a it's a great question, and they screwed it up with with Fields. Um, I get why they did it, Nagy was in Kansas City when Mahomes came in but they had a you know a pro bowl level quarterback playing ahead of of uh, Mahomes which the bears didn't have they had Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton at that point was going you know downhill in his career so but here's the thing and, and I probably should have said this earlier Is it fair? I, I did say that if you draft a quarterback, you're really committing yourself to losing at least next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that fair to the guys in the locker room right now who we know are behind Justin Fields? And then you've, you went out and traded for sweat. You signed Edwards and uh, Edmonds and some other guys in free agency. Uh, you extended Billings. So you got money out there. This team is 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 on the verge of getting over the hump. Reality is, win or lose this Sunday in Green Bay, they were two wins away from being in the playoffs. That is right. Okay, that is right. so that that's fact. So, um, and games we can go back and find four that they should have, could have, would have won. And and they didn't for whatever reason. So how far away are they really? And so is it fair to the guys in the locker room to say, yeah, we're gonna we're drafting a rookie, he's gonna play, and we're gonna lose. Unless <laughs> you know we get that one in 20 guy that you know might might get us a wild card
0: position. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um Got a few more here. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, excuse me. Hey, Greg, assuming the Bears move off of Justin, do you think Poles could get a first from a team that can't pick high enough for the top quarterbacks coming out? So this has been a big question. You know, what do you get in return for a Justin Fields trade? Most people that I read, I read in Brad Biggs's column, he said, you know, you might get a second. More likely you'd get something similar to what Sam Darnold uh, got which was two draft picks in the middle of the draft.
1: I can't believe. I, that. I, I disagree with Brad on that. In fact, as I told you in a text, you know, called me Sunday night. and Biggs and I are good friends. It goes back. He came here the same time I came here, 2001. Mm-hmm. and you know I met him. In Wisconsin, where we used to have training camp. That was the only year that I had to go there. Then we, you know, we were in Bourbon A after that. But I met him like the first or second day of camp and had a beer with them. And and we've been, you know, pretty good friends ever since. And but he goes, Man, you and I are completely on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to fields. I said, Yeah, I know you got your opinion, I got mine. And you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna argue about it, that's just my feeling based on how I see things in my experience, you know, and, and, you know, he's just, I, you know, Brad's pretty astute, but I think he's looking at fields of player and not thinking that he's going to get any better. My feeling is you get a good coach around him and he's going to, take a big leap. But and you know what we both could be wrong. Who the hell knows? But you know, we've already talked through that. But I think there are teams that are going to look at, at the unique skill set that Justin has mm-hmm. and say I can win with this guy. Now um does that mean a one? It could. He's he's like 10 times better than Sam Darnold was. So I think you'd throw out the Sam Darnold one. That's you know, I disagree with biggsy on that. Um, I think the worst you're gonna get is a two, and you might get a you might not see a pick this year, but do it well, it starts off as a two, but based on incentives, play time, team's record, and everything goes to a one in 25. Okay. But I personally I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't and I really and you know how I was at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I just think it it's a lock he's going to be back. I think yeah. it's just too dangerous not to bring him back.
0: Yeah. I like that thinking. I've got two questions here that I'm going to meld into one. Brent says, "Greg, do you like Newton, Jerzon Newton from Illinois as a three tech?" Happy New Year, guys! And then I'm going to add to this because I think the answer is contained in this question or thought. Hell, looks like Jervon Dexter is playing better than Hall of Famer J- uh, Jalen Carter right now, <laughs> and which is true. <laughs> there is in no the doubt about it. Last four games,
1: it. hands down.
0: Indeed. So, I, Carter's I for kind
1: me, of falling off. Carter's only had one tackle a game the last four games. You know, he's kind of fallen off. Mm-hmm. You know, and he might have hit the the proverbial rookie wall. Yes. Um. Nobody doubts Jalen Carter's talent. Especially. Okay, it's it's what's up here. His laziness. Again, I keep saying intangibles, but that's what it is. Um, Gervon Dexter was a undeveloped talent who now given pretty much a full season, all but one game to play a totally different style of football than what he played in college. And don't forget, he came out early now. He's, He's only in college three years. He's starting to come on. And not come on a little. He's coming on a lot. He's becoming a difference maker. And now in saying that, I still want to bring Jones back, my own personal opinion. I think Jones has had a hell of a year, and he's earned an extension. Now, I don't want to pay him any more than he's getting right now, which is $4 million bucks. But if Flus is here, they're going to play a, a rotation because you got fresh guys in there. And Jones is a very solid three technique, especially, you know, if you're splitting time, you're getting the post. His sack numbers are up. His run defense is better. You know, don't forget last year was his first year in the scheme, too, with a stripped-down team. And now that he's had a year and he's got better people around him, he's a better football player. So getting back to Newton, no, I'm not taking Newton because of where you got to go to take him. Together,
0: yes, you know, man.
1: and that's that's just not going to happen. Especially given the fact that they used a second and a third on two pretty darn good tackles last year.
0: Indeed, again, I will point people to Brad Big's uh, 10 Thoughts column. He talked to Gervant this week. And Jervon says, I feel like a totally different player from the beginning of the season. I come to the games knowing what I have to do. I have learned so much from the coaches and from my teammates. Uh, This guy is growing, and he's just scratching the surface of what he's going to be in this league. So it's exciting times for Jervon. he's, he's He's a puppy. Yeah, I've taken Newton off my board, my pretend board, uh, unless he's available in the second round, and if we acquire a second round pick.
1: I mean, that, which is, you know, absurd. That's not going to happen. Right. Uh, You know, he's going to go in the first round. But, you know, I go back, you know, I study what what polls, I, I study what a lot of the guys do. You study how they draft, and you also have to study where they came from. And what did those teams they work for do? And then they start to put together what their thinking is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And polls gravitates towards premium positions with the high rounds and the premium positions in his mind, offensive and defensive line corner quarterback. So, and wide receiver is one of them. Now this year, I believe they'll take a, a wide receiver very high. I don't think they will like let's say their first pick is three. I think they trade back from three people you're gonna give up Harrison. Well, personally, I don't have Harrison's number one, I've got neighbors as number one, but you got three that are great. All three are capable of being Pro Bowl players. Yes. So you yeah. I'll,
0: I'll take one of the other ones. So what
1: if I miss? I, I miss the one guy. Yeah, you know, and it it really depends on how they have them right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it doesn't matter what I think or what Dave Brugler thinks or Mel Kiper. It's what they think. Right.
0: I would bet that that performance from uh, Rome Adunze, Adunze, uh last night for Washington has really uh, impressed Bears evaluators because they love blocking wide receivers. And besides making great catches, he's an excellent downfield blocker. Oh, he's a big guy. You know, like you said, 6'3", right?
1: Yeah, 6'3", close to 220, mm-hmm. and he going to run.
0: Right. D. Starrin says, do you still like a pass rusher with the Bears' uh, first pick or a pick in the first round? First round
1: pick, I think, is a lock. Wow. And
0: there's some decent ones. And, and yeah.
1: what – why – I'll tell you, well, we said it already. Braylon Trice really, you know, came on. I just wish he would have done it during yeah. the year. Yeah. Um Dallas Turner, got Chop Robinson, you know, th- th- there's some pretty good uh the guy at Florida State. So th- th- there's some pretty good guys, and, and that's the only position of the premium position, really, that, that poles hasn't taken yet. And from a cap standpoint, you know, people mm-hmm. say, Well, they can sign one as a free agent. Well, he's gonna cost you what sweat cost you. Right. Yeah, okay. I so are they going to do that? I can't see them doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: he could. I just, to me, that doesn't mix with how he does things and how you want to spread out the cap around, you know, separate, you know, you're going to have one or two guys at each position group making big money. And then, you, you know, you always want to have some young players. That's one of the reasons they took The two defensive tackles last year. So now you got two guys on the inside. They're gonna end up being starters down Mm -hmm. the road. And and you signed billing for, you know, you still got them cheap. You know, so for next year, so so they're really set now. You draft an edge, and you could still probably bring back Ngakwe at a very reasonable. Contract versus having to pay 20 or more for somebody else.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Ndakwe did enough this season to earn a long term contract, which is what he has said publicly he wants. He feels like I need that security now at this point in my career. I think another season with the Chicago Bears and he could land that contract that he devotes, even though he'll be about 30. Russell Webster wants to know what do you think about uh, Byron uh, Murphy, that big defensive tackle from the Texas Longhorns.
1: I haven't done a lot on him because I don't see him as a fit. Okay. Okay, and 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 I say that with a little bit of a question mark because he's a pretty good athlete. Generally speaking, in this defense, that's not the guy you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You're looking for athletic guys like. You know, the two guys they got in, in, in Pickens and Gervon Dexter actually are a little bit bigger than the norm for what we had when I was there, you know, with Lovey, We uh, really had one really big defensive tackle, and that was Boom, who was about 315, 318, you know, at the time. And he was a freak athlete, but this guy from Texas is about 345. And... That type of player just doesn't fit what you know. Remember, I talked about a, a gazillion times what the the profile that they have written up for for each position. He doesn't yep. fit the profile. Not yep. taking anything away from him as player. He's a very good player. Right. But he just not what this team wants playing this team. Now you change the whole defensive staff, then then you know. He enters into the equation, but in doing so, how many of these you're starting all over because you built this defense around this type of scheme? Mm-hmm. Who are you gonna to have to get rid of then? Yeah. You to to, know they're, they're not fits.
0: You gotta have continuity. You got to have continuity. Okay, uh before we start talking about Green Bay, because it is Packers Week mm-hmm. and we've only got a few minutes le- left. I wanna squeeze this question in from New England Bears fan. Uh, Greg, this is unrelated, but I always wanted to ask, who decides what uniforms the teams wear? Do they ever let the players pick? And which uniform combination is your favorite? My favorite's the
1: one they wore last week. I love it.
0: Last week? The The throwback.
1: uh... Oh, really? I love it.
0: Absolutely
1: love it. Um, You know, I I don't know. The the front office, probably the coach. Have it. It goes into the league. It's like done in the preseason or before preseason. It's like done in the spring. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're gonna. And and if you're gonna change your uniform, you got to do it like two years in advance, right? Because but, you got to give you got to give NFL properties the time to have those those jerseys for sale and everything else. Right. So it, you know, it's like. If the Bears wanted to change their look right now to a full time thing, they couldn't do it till the twenty-five season.
0: Mm. What's interesting is that this season is the first season that I remember where the Bears have not disclosed what the uniforms are going to be. You know, like in in the preseason or just before the season begins, they reveal every uniform that they're going to wear week one through 17, whatever. And this year they didn't do it. And by the way, this is the uniform right here. The all whites. That's what we need to bring I, I, back. I like
1: that. I, lo- I love that too. Love I don't like I don't like the blue pants with the white
0: top. No, it's okay, but I the all whites is where you gotta go. All right. MJB gives us a great transition into Packer Talk. There is so much writing on this trip to Green Bay on Sunday. If JF1 balls out. It's an easy decision. if they look like week one, uh, everybody arguing whether it's J- everybody arguing whether it's JF1 Getsy flus or all three this is going to be a really intriguing game. Let me get your thoughts on this Bears Packers game.
1: Well I, I agree it's gonna be a really intriguing game. What we saw week one and what we see today are two different football teams. Mm-hmm. Don't forget and and that yes, the players are the same but especially on the defensive side of the ball it was the first game. And, and some of these guys were hurt during the preseason. It was the first game they ever played together, you know, and, and you know, now they've played together for a whole year and we're seeing the difference. Just look at the turnover number over the last six games,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: so I, you know, I, I posted yesterday on X I or, yeah, it was yesterday morning. I said that um, the Bears really got to be on their A plus game to beat the Packers. The Packers, in my opinion, have been struggling in recent weeks, but they look really good at Minnesota. Not saying that Minnesota is awful. Yeah, they they've degre- regressed, really, yeah. totally regressed, and and the defense, which was playing pretty good for them, even there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so. You know, how good are they? What's interesting is I don't think Green Bay's in a win in their in situation, but they have to win to even be in the thought process. Yeah. They have to win and then get help. So Green Bay is going to be ready to play. Last year, and we've said this before, this bearish team recently kind of. Reminds me a little bit, or if you want to use a comp, Detroit last year. Detroit started out the season a year ago, one and six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Campbell's Mm -hmm. gonna get fired. It was the same thing we're seeing here. And then they really came on the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Last year, Green Bay was in the same situation where they had a win to get Mm -hmm. in the playoffs and they're playing Detroit. It was going nowhere. They were out. Who we won? Detroit. You know, so it's almost the exact same scenario. And I think the Bears are very similar to Detroit last year in that they're, you know, they've hit that. They're they're getting over the hump and, and they're becoming a real football team now. So. I, I, do I think the Bears are going to win? I think they're going to play their asses off. I don't know if they're going to win. I mean, but if they play the way they have the last four or five weeks, they will win the football game. And, and I think they know, meaning the players, know what this means for JF or fluce I don't think if JF has a bad game, that's going to change what he's done Okay. Oh, I also think if they lose to the Packers, it's not going to change what's going to happen to Flus. I think those decisions pretty much been, have been made. Okay. Now, if they flat out stink, that's a different – that could be a different story. But <clears throat> I can't see that happening. Mooney's probably going to be back. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be <clears> – <throat> excuse me, getting to that time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Mooney's going to be, or that's going to be closer to full speed than he was this week. Absolutely, so think, you know, I think the offense will be able to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Bay is beat up a little bit, so um, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that the uh, the network made it a 325 game and
0: yeah. they got
1: their number one crew calling the game.
0: Jim Nance and Romo. Yes. Right. So,
1: so they, they know the importance of it and that's really from the green Bay side,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, and it'll be interesting because I, I like Romo. I don't think Romo does as much homework as he did his first couple years. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, interested in seeing what, what Romo has
0: to say about fields. Yes. Yes, indeed. You know, this game uh, is the type of game that could really jettison the team into playoff contention in 2024. It just, it just has that feeling, that aura and it's going to be interesting because the Packers defense has been up and down all season. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this whole Jerry Alexander thing where he gets suspended for a game because what he did was probably the stupidest thing I've ever – and I'm not using hyperbole here – the stupidest thing I've ever heard a player do. He, on his own volition, went out at the opening – a uh, 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 coin flip with the three assigned captains. He's not a captain. And yeah. he made that point toss decision and, and he, he got it wrong. wrong. <laughs>
1: what do you think about that? <laughs> he he gets the, uh, when, when when I was playing minor league football, we used to have an award at the end of the year <laughs> called the horse's ass award. <laughs> And, yeah, you know, one year the quarterback got it because he lined up behind the guard.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: And he doesn't even realize it. He's like calling signals. And then, you know, the, the guard turns around and goes, what the fuck are you doing? And, <laughs> and, but for, for that stunt that Alexander did, he'd win that award hands down. Yes, he did. He might even retire the award.
0: Yeah, and and there's got to be some other issues with Alexander because that was, you know, Matt Lafleur said, yeah, we, he talked about it, and and he was asked, you know, was this decision just based solely on that action? He goes, all I'm going to say is he's going to miss a game, which to me tells me, yeah, they've had some problems with this guy before. <laughs> uh,
1: that I don't know, but what he did, I mean, in theory, could have cost him a football game. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it was a really stupid move because he just, he didn't get it. He didn't understand Mm -hmm. the simple what you say. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be one of the more fascinating season finales. I saw, I think, I forgot which Bears beat writer posted. I think it was Kevin Fishbane. He posted on uh, social media that the last time, the Bears beat the Packers in a season finale game it was back in the 1990s, Greg. That is embarrassing, and we need to change that. Well, this...
1: I, I told you that we played Green Bay here in 2006, and we didn't need to win, mm-hmm. and we lost. On, and it was on New Year's Eve that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what when the next time was that we played them in the last game. I had to, you know, look at all the different schedules, but hey, you. I think reality is the fans need it more than the team needs it, but the team needs it too.
0: Mm. Uh, interesting point here from Ravi. Uh, getting back to the Justin Fields situation, he says Atlanta fans are assuming they're getting uh, Fields. There was the the guy who covers the Falcons for the Athletic said that he doesn't think uh, Atlanta is interested in. Obtaining Fields just simply because they, they want a little bit more of the traditional quarterback. In fact, he threw out Kirk Cousins' name and said, "If ever a choice between Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields, the they would uh, the Falcons would definitely take the experienced traditional quarterback." I find that hard to believe because the tickets that uh, Fields would sell, if they, you know, the the Atlanta fans would be in an uproar. I mean, that's so happy that Fields would be a member of their team.
1: Well, number one, I don't think it's going to happen, and you know, nothing against the fans, but the fans can want whatever whatever they want. That doesn't mean the team's going to do it. Team's going to do what they think is best. You know the old saying: "You want to think like the fans, go sit with them." Yeah. (laughs) I never heard that one. yeah well that's the real it's true. it's like if you're going to think like a fan or react like a fan then you might as well go sit with them because it's the wrong thing to do i
0: love it i love it uh mjb asks do you think that uh darnell mooney will be back at this point i gotta believe that they're gonna let uh darnell test free agency right
1: i think he'd be back at their price okay there's 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 something missing and i don't know what it is because the guy is really talented okay mm-hmm. you can't do what he did his first two years and not be but he just hasn't been part of this offense so is that all him or is it is it fields or is it uh getsy in the scheme? i don't i don't have the answer to that i just know the talent and the speed
0: mm-hmm Uh, Greg, you got time for a couple more questions?
1: Yeah, a couple more.
0: Okay. We're Uh, heading on
1: 145 here. I
0: know. (laughs) I know. It's like, holy cow, this guy's charging me by the hour. Don't you guys know that? (laughs) No, the minute. (laughs) The minute. Donald wants to know, hey, was that horse's ass award a Giants quarterback (laughs) when you were there, Greg?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. This is when I was playing minor league football. This was probably in the mid-70s
0: gotcha the guy who
1: wanted a guy by the name of gary fever uh-huh oh who was our quarterback and then and figures a good guy and he, then he went on to work he'll never admit it but we all think he went to work for the
0: cia oh my goodness you got a guy working the cia who didn't who lined up under the, <laughs> no wonder our national security is in danger i'm just kidding all right, Ted's the Canook. he would be retired now anyway. He's older <laughs> right. I am. Okay. Can you ask Greg if he thinks that Eric B. would take on the OC role with the Bears if Washington of course moves on from Riverboat Ron and Eric B. Do you think uh Biennemi- I, I can't I
1: can't speak for for Biennemi. I don't, you know, he he's going to have probably a, a lot of opportunities. I think he's done a pretty good job. Mhm. Um, at washington given what they have and given the situation yeah um system wise it would be running a system similar to what justin ran as a rookie Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't be all new to him the enemy is you know i i never been around the guy but he's supposed to be a very demanding coach Mm -hmm. i know Mahomes swears by him because he holds you accountable. Uh, So, uh, yeah, would he be a name that you want to talk to? Yeah. Is that, you know, what the head coach wants? You know, let's say we open the show with. Let's talk about that next week when we got some firm information of what is and what isn't.
0: Yep. I think one thing to keep in mind with Justin Fields is that um, he he did not like Matt Nagy barking plays because Matt would get so excited. It wasn't because he was mad at Justin. He was just sounded frantic right. when he was barking plays, and he didn't like that. He liked it when – who was the – oh, Bill Lazor. Called plays because he was more. And so calm. I think to bring in, yeah, calm. So I think to bring in a, a B enemy who's definitely a ranting lunatic when he's coaching. I don't know if he's
1: like that. I mean, neither one of us know if he's like that when he call and plays. And True. he did have the opportunity to call some plays sometimes mm-hmm. for Kansas City. And he will give you three, four games a year, but he picks the games in which he's not going to actually call the plays. And a lot of times they're irrelevant games you know as far as as if they have to win or whatever um the you know how he handles himself as a play caller and his demeanor on the sideline during a game i i i don't know you know i because i haven't been around him i know that in practice from everything i've heard is he is very demanding he's got old school to him Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that i believe in that myself but um he's also got to be a really good teacher and and that's what whether it's a quarterback coach the coordinator or a combination of two i think that's what what justin needs
0: okay last one i promise and uh, this is from, oh, jeez, where did I, I lose it? Uh, Joe, T, oh, there he is, Joe T. Says, can you ask Greg his thoughts on Tepper's tantrum caught um, on tape? Have you heard about this, the Carolina Panthers Heard score? about it. I
1: think it's going to cost somewhere into six figures.
0: Wow. Okay. So here's the video. Um, I had not heard about it. I've this.
1: never seen the video. I just know he threw a, a drink at a fan.
0: Well, I'm and he's an owner
1: and they're held at a higher standard.
0: Yeah, here it is. There's, there's no audio here, but there it is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Play it over, right? Where, he, he's, he's on the, the far right. You see the guy with the a shirt standing up? He's... With the Pepper's white gonna, shirt? Yeah, Tepper's going to come in to his left. So here, there he is. Uh, oh, okay, I saw it. I yeah. saw it
1: he's got a gray sweater on for something
0: yeah Jeez. Yeah, that's,
1: no, that's that's to cost him a bundle of dough
0: yeah look at this uh, this is like me studying tape <laughs> yeah. i love it oh. yeah. all right
1: and and, and you know what uh, they get it, it's like when they got the <laughs> videotape you, you can't you can't argue
0: <laughs> that's right but he looked really pissed off too <laughs>
1: i'm gonna say minimum of 100k
0: I hope it's more than that.
1: <laughs> and it probably probably will be. I'm saying that's minimum. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you what, now you think it, it has nothing to do with the personnel or who the GM is or whatever, that's gonna be a hard place to hire anybody. Because mm-hmm. he fires everybody yep. in a year. Yeah. So why I mean, yeah, you take it for yeah, if if I'm 60 and I want security. Yeah, I'll take it. You want to fire me and give me a five-year contract? You want to fire me after one? Go vacation yeah. for four years. Yeah, um,
0: but I know I know John Fox is a little older than sixty, but he'd be interested in the job.
1: <laughs> you know, but you know the young guy's not going to. Boy, that, that that'll really be interesting. People say, "Well, I just throw a lot of money around." No, it's mm-hmm. it's not just the money. You're going to get paid no matter where you go.
0: Yeah, indeed. All right. Any last words, Greg?
1: No, let's just uh, hope that this one finally turns out the way we thought the opening game would
0: yeah indeed we definitely want that and i just want to say that this is the 10th year starting the 10th year of the barroom's existence we started off as the nfc north barroom we went to bear's barroom now with the barroom network 10 years of doing this is the start of that our 10th year and i couldn't think of a better way of starting this year with greg gabriel who is my pal and my my guru I learned so much from the game of football from Greg Gabriel as we all do which is why we had record numbers today. Record numbers. Thank you very much Greg yeah, and nice Happy
1: our- New Year everybody.
0: Happy New Year and uh we'll be back here tonight Greg uh excuse me Dan Aguirre and myself with Johnny Santucci we'll see you at 8 p.m. Central. Goodbye everybody. See you next week. Bye.